This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Caroline Gonzalez and Ashley Amos. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'm Ashley Amos. And as you can tell, Ashley is on the phone. She was gracious enough to join us from Indiana, where the Pelicans play tonight. But Ashley, before we get into things, um, we do have a pretty special lineup for our listeners today. We have New Orleans native and six-time Grammy winner, first-time Oscar nominee Terrence Blanchard, who is up for Best Original Score of Spike Lee's The Black Klansman, who will be stepping onto the red carpet in a unique fashion on Sunday. Um, And we'll also be talking to uh, Daniel Salerson about the All-Star break and the remaining 23 games for the Pelicans. Ashley, how's Indiana? Are you outside in your flip-flops and (laughs) Ray-Bans? It's actually not too bad. The the court is... um you know, if you have a coat on, it's not bad, and, um, you know, it's a quick trip up to then back, and then uh, we head back after the game tonight against the Pacers, and you're up for the big matchup against that team from L.A. on Saturday. Yep. Um, so, Ashley, some exciting news out of Pelicans camp yesterday. Alfred Payton will be returning for the Pelicans. They were without him um, on the first matchup against the Pacers where they lost by just two points. Uh, what do you think we're going to see out of Alfred Payton and kind of the chemistry of having him back on this Pelican squad? You know, um, Caroline, you, you know from playing sports, there's always a bit of a not a, I'm not a learning curve, I guess, kind of a bad that's something bad to say, but no, more of just kind of into the groove. You right. know what I mean? You have to, you're going to have to get back into the groove, um, especially at that position. You have to build that rapport back with the guy. Um, there's a lot of new guys on the court, you know? and um, how is your, his rapport with them? Uh, will he be able to naturally find them? I think there will definitely be an adjustment period, um, but you know the energy, the tempo. Uh, just his strategic and the way he thinks and how he sees the floor, I think it's very advantageous to Pelicans and something we've been lacking. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to open things up, especially for Drew Holiday. Um, Ashley, we we are coming back from a pretty nice long all-star break, which I'm sure the guys needed that rest. We saw some of the guys, you know, Jalil Okafor went back to his hometown but was still, you know, working out and working out with a trainer. He worked out over the summer. Drew Holiday, I saw, went on vacation with Lauren and little JT, which was adorable. Do guys seem a lot more rejuvenated uh, coming back? Yeah, I think so. You know, like Coach Gentry said yesterday, uh, he talked about how, you know, on Wednesday when they had practice, the first practice after All-Star is always just, you know, might as well not practice because everyone's just, it's just a bad practice. It's been a bad practice in the history of time ever since (laughs) um, the All-Star break has occurred. But um, he said that yesterday practice was good, um, was a really good practice. And, um, you know, I think these guys are ready to lock in and, you know, in these final 23 games, unfortunately, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. 18 of those games are against teams that are in playoff contention. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of battle, a lot of grit from the uh, from these guys. And, you know, there's just all these people that have now made a name for them, whether you're looking at, like, Julio Okafor or Kenrich Williams. You know, Kenrich Williams set a Pelican franchise record for rebounds by a guard and became the first player since Greg Blake Griffin to, like, grab 15 rebounds mm-hmm. um, in, in his first 15 career games. And yeah. that is, I mean, to be quite honest, Caroline, if I would have asked you at the beginning of the season, 
you think Kenrich threw up into <laughs> right. the floor? Or it would have been like, I don't even, who's Kenrich? You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about, obviously, uh, Coach said yesterday that Anthony Davis will play. And um, they asked him about, will that affect the development of the young players? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Coach Gentry put it, put it the best, is that, you know, he doesn't think that it will. Mm-hmm. And that he's still going to put guys out there and um, hopefully continue to develop this team and, you know, go out there and play hard, really. You know, there was a couple questions asked about, oh, are we trying to make that eighth spot in the playoffs and whatever. And he said, you know, my job is to coach games and to get these guys prepared and to bring out the best in them and to make sure the product we're putting on the floor um, is the best it can be. And he feels like with the people and the, that he has on the court and the personnel and um, just their work ethic and leadership, that that's what we're going to get these last 23 games. Absolutely. I'm sure, you know, you've heard it before. You can't focus on playoffs. You can't focus on even the next game. You have to focus on what game is in front of you right now and how you're going to play in that game. So everything you said was spot on. And yeah, I didn't think Kenny Hessel or Kenrich Williams was going to be the guy that we were going to be talking about in February coming out of All-Star break. But here we are. He's doing a great job and uh, expecting a lot out of him and the rest of that Pelican squad. Well, Ashley, I'm going to send you off to go track down Daniel Salerson wherever he is in that big old hotel. In the meantime, as I mentioned, we have a fascinating guest on the show today. I am humbled and honored to speak with renowned jazz trumpeter Terrence Blanchard on today's show to talk about his first time Oscar nomination and, of course, his Saints fandom. Terrence, first of all, I have to tell you what a tremendous honor it is to speak with you today from someone who gave, gave up the French horn in fifth grade because the instrument was too heavy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I must have to say that it's I have an enormous amount of respect for what you do. You know the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I barely know the struggle because I think I gave well, it up no. on like the first well, day. But well, uh, well, no, that's great though. That's great. That, well, you you know what it takes. But it's an honor for me to be here. Trust me, because you know I've been a lifelong fan. So this is a true blessing for me. Well, Terrence, I want to talk about your Saints fandom, but first we have to talk about this Oscar nomination that you have for yes. the Black Klansman, six-time Grammy winner, first-time Oscar nomination. I mean, what a tremendous honor. You were We were talking a little bit before we got on the phone about yes. uh, you know how surreal things have been. I mean, kind of tell me about what the process have, has been, not even over the last few months, but the last week. The last week has been like a whirlwind. I mean, ever since the nomination came down, it's just been one thing after another, an event here, an event there, and just meeting beautiful people. I mean, it's just um, the the spirit of all of the, the nominees, you know, has, 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 I can't describe it. You know, when we had the luncheon where you take the iconic photo of all of the nominees, I got up, when they called my name, I was standing next to Regina King, who I've been a fan wow. of for the longest time, and we've become like really just good friends every time we see each other at one of these events everybody's just so humble and so encouraging it's just been amazing you know and to share this with my wife she's having a great time you know going to all of the events she's been on me about my wardrobe though that's the (laughs) (laughs) i would be too that's a good wife right there smile big and look good i mean nobody cares about the music if you don't look good 
Right. She said, you can't wear that. You, can't, you wore that last night. You can't do that. So wear something else. You know, it, but it's been great. It's been That's fun. It, it's good that Regina King, you know, was jumped over by Joel Embiid because imagine how different that picture would have looked if he yes. would have on her. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's true. I re- you know what? I, for- I meant to... The- I just saw her last night, and I, I was gonna I was gonna talk to her about that, and I forgot about it, man. Yeah, because that was an amazing shot. I couldn't believe it was her. I because when I saw it, I just saw him going over someone's head, and then I went, "Oh my God, that's Regina!" You know, <laughs> crazy. It was insane. Well, Terrence, yeah. you've been working on Spike Lee's films for thirty years now. Um, I want to know how that friendship developed, but um, how does the Black Klansman kind of rank in the films that you two have done together? It's, I, I've been saying it's been the culmination of everything we've been learning and working on for the last 30 years. Mm. You know, uh, Barry Alexander Brown was also the editor, who's also been working with Spike longer than me, actually. You know, uh, for all three of us to to be honored this way, it's a it's a it's a blessing. You know, uh, the thing the main thing about working with those guys that I've learned is that from the beginning, you know. It's always been about doing the best work possible. Mm-hmm. It's always been about the love of making films and how to tell stories, you know. And once you know we enter any project, you know, the egos get put out the door. Mm-hmm. You can't have an ego in this business, yep. you know, because it's not about you. It's about the story. And that's what I've learned from these guys. You know, a lot of people don't realize the reaction shots from Spike when he heard the announcement. And he jumped up and screamed. Everybody thought that was when the uh, Best Director nomination came out, but that wasn't. It was when the Best Film nomination came down. And he said, you know, that one excited him because that means it's everybody involved in the project. Yep. How did that relationship between you and Spike begin? It started out, you know, in the early days. You know, I was just hired as a session musician to play on School Days, Do the Right Thing, and Mo Better Blues. And when we were doing the pre-recorded music for More Better Blues, I sat down uh, once we took a break and was playing a a piece on the piano. And he walked by and heard it. And he said, man, I like that. Can I use it? And I said, sure. So we recorded it just as a solo trumpet piece at that time. Mm -hmm. And then later on, when he got to the editing room, you know, he said, hey, man, do you think you can write a string arrangement for it? And I lied and said yes. <laughs> lied <laughs> <Sure>. on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you you know, you meet those. You see, you see an opportunity right. staring you in the face. You go, Nah, am I gonna really just pass this up? Completely understand. I'm gonna take advantage of it. Yeah, and uh, I called my composition teacher in New Orleans, Roger Dickinson, and he told me trust your training. And it's been like a great relationship ever since. You know, because the thing about working with Spike is that uh, he's he's forced me to create a style that's basically, you know, uh, a unique thing based on his cinematic vision. You know, he told me I don't like I don't like atmospheric music. I like very melodic music and sometimes he would have me write music for scenes that had important dialogue which forced me to figure out how to shift the di- the, the music around the dialogue so you can still hear it and orchestrate it in such a way where it wouldn't interfere. So Yeah, you talk kind of about it kind of about that chemistry do you feel like you have an idea and a grasp on what he likes from your compositions and vice versa do you feel like he has a good grasp on what you're able to do with your music yeah we had that conversation you know actually on this on this on this project he said man how many years we've been working together i said yeah it's been a long time and he said you know he said, "I love your melodies." And I said, "Well, yeah." I said, "Listen, bro. I, I said because of you, I've I've learned how to develop this thing. And you know, it's gotten to the point now where we don't talk much. You know, when it came time 
to do Black Klansman. I think the the conversation basically centered around him telling me he wanted to have an R&B band inside of the orchestra, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And the rest, you know, I knew what type of music he loves. I knew how he liked to place music in the film, where he liked to place it. And um, the rest was up to me. And the thing that's really, like, beautiful about Spike that people don't really understand is that he gives me a lot of room because he trusts me. And he does the same thing with Barry, the, the, the editor. And I tell people this all the time, you know, when you work with somebody that trusts you that much, man, it makes you work harder because you never want to let them down. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you pay attention to every little detail and make sure that things are right before you present it to them. I notice a word you use a lot is beautiful when you're describing other people and you just said it about mm-hmm. Spike. So um, mm-hmm. how do you kind of encompass that emotional response? How do you, how can you tell when a song or a piece is finally ready and you know that you're going to get that emotional response that you want from people? You know, what's so funny about you asking that question. I was at a, an event last night with some of the other composers who were nominated, and we were talking about that very issue. And it's one of those things that you can't really you can't really describe. Is that you know it when you know it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you work on it, you work on it, you work on it, and then sometimes it'll be very minimal. You know, maybe only a couple instruments, but it'll feel right. And then sometimes it's a couple instruments, but you go, no, it's not finished. It feels like it needs something else. And I think what we we were talking about last night, what it boils down to, is just being honest about your emotional reaction in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, not trying to let your, your 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 head tell you where to go, but allow your heart to direct you and allow your head to say, okay, well, this is how we should accomplish this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as I mentioned, I gave up the French horn, so I really know, have no musical background at all. You need to pick it all. back up. You need to pick it back up. <laughs> it's too late now. I'm too far <laughs> gone. I'm just kidding. Um, but what is kind of the first step in attempting to stel- tell that story or add another unique aspect to the scene? What's the first step in that process? Well, the first step is to, to watch the entire film and get a sense of the pacing of the film and get a sense of the look of the film, how it sounds in terms of the dialogue, the characters, and all of that. And then when you go scene by scene, I I used to, you know, I'm I'm kind of a, like an anal guy. I used to write out these charts, you know, and I would put um, little uh, uh, markers for every scene on the chart, and I'll, you know, and I'll have a list of what kind of cues they are, which characters, and I, I, it was like a very detailed thing. Mm. But now I can do it just kind of in my brain. And uh, once you watch the film, you try to sit down and say to yourself, okay, well, the film slows down here. It needs to have a little pace here. And then when you get to a scene, I'll, I'll, sometimes I watch a scene like maybe five or six times before I even try to write music because mm-hmm. the scene itself will have a rhythm. Mm-hmm. It will have a tone to it. And I try to allow that to tell me what it is that the, the, the story needs. That's interesting. I didn't realize that, you know, you're not on set for the filming of stuff. Are you just, so you just watch kind of like the first draft of the final, the final project? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes when I, when we did more of the blues, I was on set, but for the most part, no, I'm not, I'm never there. Wow. And, and, and the cool thing about working with Spike is that like when we did Miracle at St. Anna, he was shooting in Italy so he would send me still photos so I could get a sense of what it looked like. Because, you know, one of the questions I get, you know, is do you write from a script? And I used to, but you can't do that because writing from a script, I start to create my own movie in my own mind. You know, I'm 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 seeing different locations. I'm hearing the dialogue a different way. So I, I stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. I try to wait till I can, I can get to the point where I can see something or hear something. 
And that thing has has really helped shape my approach because, like I said earlier, you know, it really, when you really listen to the film, the film will tell you what it needs. You just have to, like I said earlier, to put your ego aside and allow it to give you little hints about what's necessary to tell the story. Fascinating. Well, Terrence, before we go go on a Saints talk, one more question about this movie. So in an age where it's seemingly impossible to make people understand things that they simply don't want to understand, did you Uh feel a particular need to rise to the challenge maybe more than in films of the past? Well, with Spike, when we first started talking about this film, he he did say this is going to be like Malcolm X again, which is, for us, uh, a very powerful and necessary story to tell. And um, I, I, I think for me on this film, when you get to the end of the movie, when you get to the montage, the, it was emotionally powerful for me just seeing it with no music. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, I know what's going to happen with people. They're going to watch this movie. It's going to be a period piece and when they get to the end it's going to have a very overwhelming shock to the system about how we haven't moved the needle as far as we thought we should have in terms of our relationships and how we deal with each other in this country um and i allowed that honesty and, and my hurt and pain of being tired of dealing with these issues guide me emotionally in terms of how i should orchestrate the music for that scene wow Powerful stuff. Well, on a lighter note, uh, we'll move uh-huh. on over to um, Saints. So on the red carpet on Sunday, you're going to be uh, wearing a special pair of shoes uh, designed yeah. by Christina Papillon, who does mm-hmm. My Cause, My Cleats for several of the Saints players, I think last year and this year. Um, what yeah. kind of inspired you to want to do this? Well, listen, like everybody else, I, I remember I was uh, flying back. I can't remember where I was flying from. Oh, I was coming from Haiti. And I flew into Miami uh, the day of the NFC Championship game. Mm. <laughs> and I was racing to find a place to watch the game. And I found this restaurant, and I sat down and watched it. And I was horrified by that call, just like everybody else. Moving forward, when the announcements came down for the uh, uh, Oscars, uh, when Spike called me, the very first thing he said on the phone was, I hope that this will take a little bit of the sting out of that loss because you guys were robbed. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing he said out of his mouth. And then I started to get some texts from other friends in New Orleans who were saying exactly the same thing. So then, you know, um, I had a, a, a notion of, I remember when the Saints came back after Hurricane Katrina and what they meant to the city. You know, I remember what, what Drew and Sean and all of those guys were doing to pick up lift our spirits, you know, and I remember every Sunday we were glued to the TV if not going to the game, you know, because that was the thing that kind of took us out of the doldrums of what we were dealing with every day. And I said, well, you know, if I can, I, you know, just with this announcement by people telling me this, maybe I should think about trying to lift the spirits of the saints, you know, because when I saw Mike uh, post the thing about the rules and, you know, it's just a devastating loss because those guys play, had a great season, mm-hmm. you know, as a team. I love their spirit and how they come together and play for each other. So I said, well, you know what, I'm going to do what I can just to try to pick up the spirits of the Saints and, and the Houdat Nation if I could. And it's just a small little gesture. So uh, I called Dr. Stephen Price, who's a mutual friend of Drew and myself, but I've never met Drew. And I asked him if he could figure out you know how I should do this. So he he texted Drew, 
and Drew gave me Christina's name. And uh, I just reached out to her and I told her what I wanted to do. And she created these beautiful, beautiful pair of tennis that I'm only going to wear one time. Mm. I'm going to wear them that day and then I'm going to put them up. That's awesome. Has your wife dictated what other outfit you're going to wear with the shoes? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting because one designer uh, wanted, uh, gave me a tuxedo to wear, but it's a little too busy for that night. So mm-hmm. I wore it last night uh, at a couple of events, and she told me, she said, with these shoes, you have to just wear straight black. Yep. So I'm just going to have on straight black with a gold handkerchief in my pocket and then the shoes and that's it well if it means anything i think that's the good move to go with all black so <laughs> if my opinion matters on fashion at all there it is okay. uh, terrence how many games uh, a season do you think you're able to make or do you watch all of them on sunday how many games a year do you think you're able to, to see i used to be, i used to be a season ticket holder okay. for a number of years i was a season ticket holder but with my traveling as a musician, I, you know, I don't get a chance to go as much as I can. But let me tell you, I watch all the time, you know. And when I'm in Europe, man, that NFL Game Pass saves my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'll finish a show and I'll head right to the room. The guy said, man, you want to go hang out for a drink? I'm like, no, but the game's on. I got to go. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll watch in my room, you know. And uh, what, wherever I am when I'm traveling, man, I, I try to... Watch them. When we have some other friends, Leslie Arrett, who's a who's a lawyer in town, a great friend. They have season tickets, and if we're in town, well, if I'm if I'm in town, you know, we'll definitely go to the games with them because I I just love it. I absolutely love it. I love. See, I've been a fan for so long. I remember the old days. So to watch the level of discipline and dedication that these guys put in to this team, it's it's a it's an extremely beautiful thing to watch. You know, and to watch. I was at the game. When Drew broke the record, you know, and he threw the pass okay. to Kamara, mm-hmm. I was there. I saw it. Wide. I mean, you could just see it unfold just from just from the stands. I'm like, oh, that's it right there. Against the Washington and, Redskins, right? When he threw the Yeah, of course. And you know what yep. was beautiful about that? My wife was from D.C. Mm. <laughs> yep, nice little <laughs> and jab. <laughs> and she's a huge Redskins fan, so that was that was just priceless. That's awesome. <laughs> Listen, if I can convince you to do it, if you have an off season, you should definitely do a score for the Saint, either the last play of the season where they didn't call a flag, oh. or just a highlight f- reel for the season. I think that would be pretty cool. Step up to yeah, the challenge. If you give me the reel, I'll make sure I write the music. Okay. That's, that is. Oh, please! That would be an honor for me. That'd you know what I mean? Cool. I'd, as a matter of fact, you know, I'd, I'd, that last call in an NFC game, championship game, is still stuck in my brain, mm-hmm. and I'm not even a player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I know what those guys. I can. I, well, I can't imagine what those guys are going through. I know what the fans are going through, but I know what it's like to put all your time and effort into something like that and have it taken away from you by something out of your control. You know, and that's got to be a really frustrating thing. And that's the reason why I wanted to do what I'm doing, you know, because I wanted to let those guys know that, listen, man, we love them to death. You know, they mean a lot to us in the the city. You know, I'm just so sorry my father's not around to see it because I used to go to Tulane Stadium. I remember the hedges in the the end zone, you know. When I was a little kid, uh, uh, (laughs) every time the Saints or anybody would kick a field goal, my dad would make me stand between his legs because they didn't have the nets up behind the goal (laughs) post. That's incredible. Oh, yeah, man. So I I love the team and I love what they've done. 
Well, you're doing, you're showing your support in your own way at the Oscars, and I'm sure it meant a lot to the players to see, you know, the second line, the the parties in the yeah. city. That at that's inc- yeah, incredible. Yeah. So, oh, you were at the Grammys yeah. during that. No, you know, I couldn't be at the Grammys because oh. I was nominated for a BAFTA, which is a British and film, uh, a British film and television award. So mm-hmm. I was in London during that time. And what was crazy about it was. I lost the BAFTA, but right as I lost the, lost the BAFTA, my daughter texted me and said, yeah, but you won a Grammy. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> That's but good. then I got a chance to see uh, Shorty do the second line, going mm-hmm. into the thing. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. That yeah. was awesome. Great support. So, uh, yeah. Terrence, thank you so much. We can't wait to see your shoes uh, on the red carpet, along with your <laughs> your black your black suit and your little gold handkerchief. So that'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Definitely looking forward to see that. So good thank luck you, on uh, Sunday. We are sending all good vibes your way, and uh, thank you so much for speaking on the show with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Who that? Who that? Great conversation with Terrence. Be sure you're on the lookout for him Sunday night. The Oscars begin at 7 p.m. I'm sure there will be many pictures of his shoes on the red carpet. And, of course, we surely hope that he wins the Oscar. All right, now we're welcome, welcoming on Daniel Salerson, who is sitting next to Ashley Amos in Indiana. Ashley, how does it feel to be in the presidential suite of Daniel Salerson? Um, you know, he's, his room's a lot nicer than mine. <laughs> It was great. Lots of room here. So uh, I feel honored to be in his presence. You know, Ashley's lying. I'm actually in a janitor's closet right now. That's the only room they had left. And, and I'm low on the totem pole. So if you can move that broom, Ashley, we'll be ready to go here. They're not, they haven't even sent you the itinerary. You just probably got to walk to the arena. I mean, that's, that's the treatment that uh, you deserve, honestly, Daniel. I mean, you're, you're not wrong, Caroline. <laughs> and, and yes, I'm going to have to walk everywhere and I have to get my own flight tomorrow morning back to, I might not even make the Lakers game just because they're like, hey, take a bus back. So we'll he, see how it goes. He doesn't know this yet, but he's going to have to carry all the camera bags as well. So <laughs> I'll wave to him on the bus as we pass. Should be a fun day. Should be a great day. Uh, be careful of those Mardi Gras parades, Daniel. Those will definitely get in the way of your, of your trek. Oh, good. Thanks. Um, guys, a lot of changes since the last time we all spoke prior to the All-Star break. Uh, the Pelicans parted ways with Del Demps. Danny Ferry was announced as the interim GM. Um, you know, Pelicans had a significant win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. They'll come back tonight to play the Indiana Pacers. Um, guys, you guys are on the road trip. What has kind of been the, uh, the mentality going in? You guys were at practice and then obviously on the road trip. What's been the mentality going in to these these last 23 games it's really business as usual caroline nothing has really changed as far as the mentality standpoint they're trying to win all 23 games mm-hmm. um, no matter who's on the floor obviously the focus will be on some of the young guys going forward kenrick williams jaleel okafor frank jackson guys that still need a lot of minutes that um have seen their minutes diminish just a little bit since some of these guys have come back healthy and anthony davis and Julius Randle. So I, I think that's the, that's the main thing. I think all the distractions are trying to make those go away, and they're really just wanting to play basketball. Um, so really I don't think anything's changed as far as mentality. They were rejuvenated. They had a good practice um, yesterday, and now, and now it's game time, and we'll see what they do here in the last 23. Daniel, we heard that uh, Danny Ferry spoke to members of the media last night, and he mentioned that AD's minutes will be reduced down to 20, 25 minutes, as well as Drew Holiday's. That's more from a um, you know preservation standpoint for Drew Holiday. But if you're kind of one of these role players, as you said, who have seen their minutes uh, diminish, and they're not even really role players anymore, but guys, guys like Jalil Okafor, Kenrich Williams, 
Williams, um, Darius Miller, guys that have stepped up. Is that kind of um, on your mind going into these last 23 games? Okay, I'm going to have to step up to the plate for these last 23 games because I know these guys aren't going to be playing as much basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the mindset for all these guys, and even some of the guys that are not role players. The Julius Randles and the Alfred Taines, these are guys that are on one-year contracts, so this is these are big, these last 23 games, as far as where their next free agent team is, whether it's here in New Orleans or somewhere else. We haven't seen a lot of Alfred this year just because of the injury, so we had a small sample size at the beginning of the year, but then he was playing hurt uh, most of the time um, after that, and then he got hurt again, so it's not only important for those guys like Jaleel and Frank Jackson and Cameron Williams, but it is important for Randall and Payne to know that this is going to be big as far as um, how their free agency goes this summer. So um, I think it's a good idea as far as getting some of these newer guys or some of these other guys some more minutes and some more opportunity. Now it's on them to, to take advantage of it. Caroline, can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. Uh, speaking of Alfred Payton, Daniel, we talked about him earlier in the show. What do you expect tonight in his return? We talked a little bit about that learning curve, kind of getting back into the groove, the adjustment. What are you, what what changes do you expect tonight with him on the floor? Well, I think with the ankle injury, it's always tough when you're playing in a fast-paced offense like the Pelicans do. So I don't see him going back the full 30 to 35 minutes and going hard, especially with Frank Jackson being one of those guys that you want to give an opportunity to. You probably will split those minutes, but – I think you just want him to get back in the swing of things just with you will have Drew Holiday on the court. You'll still have Anthony Davis and Randall starting most likely. That means most of your guys that you started with at the beginning of the season are going to be on the court. So you just want to see, you know, how he distributes the basketball, um, how he runs the floor, if his ankle is well enough to do that, and just his decision-making and finishing at the rim. So those are the kind of things I want to see. I don't expect it to be, you know, a full, you know, okay, Alfred Payne's back tonight, but you at least want to ease him in, especially with a back-to-back tomorrow. You don't want him to go too hard tonight. Uh, I want to get more into this Pacers game, but before we do that, Ashley, you know, you've been around Drew Holiday since he since he started with this team. Um, what does it say if you're a teammate of Drew Holiday um, to see him kind of step up and outperform? And, you know, I say outperform, but as, as I said that, he's kind of just been doing what he's always been doing, but now he's getting recognized a little bit more. He's kind of been the face of this Pelicans team for this last month or so. What does it say if you're a teammate of Drew Holiday to see him kind of step up to the plate? I think you put it perfectly. I mean, this is what you expect from Drew Holiday. Mm. This is how he's been his entire time here with the Pelicans. So, you know, obviously he battled injuries a lot earlier in his earlier uh, time with the Pelicans, but these past couple years when he's been healthy, you've seen what he can do. And, I mean, he's a freak athlete. Uh, He is an amazing athlete on the court, a great defender, obviously very underrated when you look from, like, the national – standpoint definitely getting more attention now just the way he's shutting guys down you know big time players what he's done to them and shut them down from a defensive standpoint has been nothing short of remarkable and to say and I think if you ask anybody on the Pelicans roster they feel like he's an all-star caliber player I think that uh, Drew would say he's an all-star caliber player and I think as going back to your initial question about what do the teammates expect of them, this is what they've seen all along. Mm-hmm. If you're a teammate of Drew Holiday, this is what you've always known. So to them, it's nothing really that different. And for, you know, he's always kind of shared that role a little bit in being in the spotlight, so to speak, as one of the guys. Obviously, Anthony was the, is the franchise player, but Drew, Drew has been one of the top guys too. So um, it's not much of a different role except that now – 
you know, moving forward, we can expect him to be more of the guy, so to speak. So, uh, but like I said, like Daniel said earlier, it's business as usual. This is a business and you can't get caught up in everything at the end of the day. You have to go and go to the office, so to speak, uh, do your job. And um, I hopefully that's what the Pelicans do tonight. Uh, speaking of tonight, uh, Daniel, a question for you. This Pacers team is going to be without their star player, Victor Oladipo, they're, but they're 6-5 and five without him since the injury. But we've seen guys like Boyan Bogdanovich uh, step up, Darren Collison. Uh, how do you think they've been able to adjust so well to the absence of Victor Oladipo? They've all stepped up defensively, Caroline. They're a top-five defensive team since Victor Oladipo went down, so they, I think they've made this – he uh, known that, you know, you lose a star player on offense, well, now your defense will have to step up. They've had a good defense all year long, and they're 13-9 and without Oladipo dating back to the beginning of this year as well. Last year they were 0-7 without Victor, so I think it's been an all-hands-on-deck approach, and they also have a pretty deep team. I think that's what the Pacers front office has done a good job with guys surrounding him, like Miles Turner. You have Demonis Sabonis off the bench that has 19 double-doubles. Um, their bench has been really solid this year. Um, but defensively is where um, they've stepped up the most. Again, with the top five defense, um, they do a really good job of guarding the three ball as far as perimeter defense is concerned. Um, and that's, that's what uh, helps them stay as a three seed. You know, they're 38 and 20 right now, and that's without Victor Oladipo. They're the three seed right now. No one wants to talk about them because they think they're just going to, you know, fall down the, the ladder of the standing just because he's gone. But I don't think this Pacers team is going is going anywhere, and that goes with – and that stands for uh, Nate McMillan, what he's done, and then also those players, what they've done um, in his absence. Well, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Pelicans team who are uh, offensive heavy. Last game they lost by two points. It was 109-107, to but they were without Nikola Mirotic at the time, Julius Randle and Anthony Davis, and Alfred Payton, who uh, makes his return for this Pelicans team tonight. It's also his birthday, so happy birthday to Alfred Payton. Um, But what do you expect from an offensive standpoint for this Pelicans team? I feel like, you know, this all-star break, it's been a while. It's been a while since they played without Alfred Payton. We discussed that a little bit earlier, but do you think it's going to take maybe a quarter or so for these guys to kind of find a rhythm with each other again? I would say so, and I think the first 12 minutes are going to be the most important 12 minutes of the game just because of that instance where the Alfred is going to get adjusted, and we don't even know if he's going to start yet. I mean, I would assume that he would, but, I mean, head coach Alvin Gentry could change it up and maybe have him come off the bench in this first game just because of the fact that there is a back-to-back involved tomorrow night with the Lakers. So I don't know what the starting lineup is, and I don't know if Alvin Gentry even knows what the starting lineup is. But these first 12 minutes tonight, there's probably going to be a little bit of rust. You haven't played a basketball game in nine days. You did have a couple practices, but everyone's been off, and that's including the Indiana Pacers as well. You could see some clunkiness in the first five or six minutes or so, but I think pace will be the big thing, uh, pun intended, I should say, if you're playing the Pacers. <laughs> but the pace will be the biggest thing um, tonight against Indiana that kind of likes to slow it down a little bit, and that's a big reason why they're a top-five team as far as points allowed. Um, this season, but still, um, I think you're going to have to get up and run down the floor, and Alfred's going to be a big-time part of that, and um, these first five or six minutes will kind of gauge how this game might go for New Orleans. Well, Daniel, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me on today's show, all the way from your, uh, I'll say, janitor's closet, I guess. I really appreciate it today. (laughs) No problem. Thanks for having me. 
quick reminder to make sure you're watching the Pelicans game as they take on the Indiana Pacers on the road tonight. That game will tip off at 6 p.m., a little earlier than usual, so make sure you mark your calendar. That tip-off is at 6 p.m. You can watch on Fox Sports New Orleans or, as always, listen in on WRNO 99.5 FM. Then the Pelicans will return back home to the Smoothie King Center tomorrow night to take on the Los Angeles Lakers at 6 p.m. Again, that tip-off is a little earlier than usual as well. Quick reminder, the parades have been announced to start earlier on Saturday uptown than usual. So I would get to the arena earlier than you usually do to ensure that you're not stuck in traffic all day uptown, especially if you live uptown, if you live downtown, anywhere in that area. I don't expect traffic from the highway to be um, completely standstill, but you never know when Mardi Gras comes comes around. So be sure you're at the arena, the Smoothie King Center, extra early for tip-off at 6 p.m. against the Los Angeles Lakers. Tickets can be bought on pelicans.com or 504-525-HOOP. Thanks for joining us on today's show. It was a lot of fun speaking with Terrence, Daniel Salerson, Ashley Amos, and that is all for this week. Look forward to speaking to everyone next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.